prefatory note and memoir of kindness this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org kindness by father faber prefatory note though it is not customary to prefix the memoir of an author to so small a portion of his works as the present still the three decades of years that have elapsed since his death may have at least partially obliterated the memory of the great and gifted father faber to prevent that memory fading from the minds of our young people this sketch is given those desirous of learning more of the illustrious oratorian will find exhaustive details of his conversion to the faith etc in his life written by the rev john bowden from which many of the facts of this memoir are borrowed memoir of father faber frederick william faber was the son of mr thomas henry faber a protestant gentleman of french descent he was born at his grandfather's residence the vicarage of calverley in yorkshire on june twenty eighth eighteen fourteen in the following year his father removed to bishop auckland where the family continued to reside till his father's death in eighteen thirty three frederick who was his mother's idol was a singularly attractive child and gave early indications of the brilliant genius which afterwards distinguished him his parents both of whom were persons of much intellectual culture spared no pains to foster the nascent talents of their boy and were rewarded beyond their dreams by the results after a brief sojourn at the grammar school of bishop auckland frederick was placed for a time under the tuition of the rev john gibson at kirkby stephen in eighteen twenty five he was removed to shrewsbury school after a short stay there he proceeded to harrow where he remained till he entered the university of oxford whilst in harrow scepticism then as now so rampant in england had well-nigh dealt his spiritual being a deadly blow god's merciful providence rescued him in the hour of danger he matriculated at belial college oxford and came into residence there in eighteen thirty three one of his contemporaries writes he resisted from first to last the temptations to which many succumb and by the grace of god was able to preserve unstained the purity of his life he went to oxford imbued with calvinistic principles inherited from his parents and treasured by him all the more in that he had so narrowly escaped the loss of faith in harrow after some months however frederick's religious tendencies underwent a change this change was brought about by the high church movement under the influence of which he had now to some extent fallen for the leader of the movement the illustrious john henry newman afterwards cardinal faber conceived an affectionate veneration which lasted through life but whilst fully sympathizing with the spirit which animated this movement he nevertheless shrank from the lengths to which some of its advocates were going 
that his earnest and deeply religious nature was even now striving after truth is evidenced in every page of the voluminous correspondence penned by him at this period a few extracts from his letters may not be out of place here as showing the tone of his mind at this time in a letter dated from the university in january eighteen thirty five he thanks god that the temporalities of the church of england are no longer such as to induce men to enter the ministry from motives of mere worldly ambition to realize fully the disinterestedness of these views we must bear in mind that from his earliest years his aspirations had all tended towards the clerical state in a letter dated the same month and year as the above he writes i feel to an almost sinful degree that i never could be happy or content in any other profession it has thrown a colour over all my boyhood it has been my life's one dream so much so that i sometimes fancy i am called to it so high however is the standard which i have set up in my own mind and so much below that standard do i feel myself that i do at times question my fitness for so awful a vocation what wonder that the depersonal love of our divine lord which even now is so apparent should increasing with his years give him that wonderful success in dealing with souls which marked his missionary labours as a catholic priest on may twenty sixth eighteen thirty nine he received ordination in oxford and soon after made a brief visit to the continent whence he returned very unfavourably impressed with what he had seen of catholicism as a result no doubt of his prejudices against the faith in eighteen forty he accepted the post of tutor to the eldest son of mr harrison of ambleside the greater part of eighteen forty one was spent on the continent as travelling companion to mr harrison meanwhile prayer and spiritual reading had been doing their work in his soul and it was from a different standpoint that he now studied the church which he had recently regarded so unfavourably already the light of faith under the touch of grace was beginning to dawn upon his mind in eighteen forty two faber after some hesitation accepted the rectory of elton and on april second eighteen forty three he introduced himself there next day accompanied by his late pupil he set out on his travels while in rome dr grant took him to see st peter's writing of it he says the roof gives one the true notion of its enormous size the cottages of the workmen with the spacious offices the fountains and the whole appurtenances of a little village seem only to occupy a moderate portion of the roof of a single church the idea of people living cooking sleeping etc on the roof struck me beyond anything on june seventeenth eighteen forty three faber had a private audience with the pope gregory the sixteenth his holiness who was alone said you must not mislead yourself in wishing for unity yet waiting for your church to move think of the salvation of your own soul 
after some further words of counsel he laid his hands on faber's shoulders who immediately knelt down upon which he laid them on his head saying may the grace of god correspond to your good wishes and deliver you from the nets of anglicanism and bring you to the true holy church and for answer to the holy pontiff's prayer he had not long to wait gradually the veil was removed from his eyes till at last he beheld in all her majesty and beauty the one holy catholic church the nursing mother of the saints from whom all ecclesiastical authority emanates whose founder neither can deceive nor be deceived who will be with her all days even to the consummation of the world while in florence he began to wear the miraculous medal and would have made a practice of invoking our immaculate mother were he not withheld from doing so by newman who disapproved of his taking so pronounced a step in favour of rome while still fluctuating as to her claims on his allegiance it seems indeed certain that he would have entered the church before returning to england had not newman succeeded in dissuading him he who later on was to shed so bright a lustre on the church was still undecided in his religious opinions and resolved to make no move towards catholicity till he had sounded to their depths the vitally important questions on which such momentous issues hung he strongly advised his friend to do likewise and the latter in deference to the wishes of one whose counsels he had been accustomed to follow consented to remain for the present in the anglican communion on his return to england faber at once entered upon his duties at elton notorious as they were for their callousness and indifference his new flock afforded ample scope for the exercise of his zeal carefully avoiding controversy he selected such subjects for his sermons as were calculated to instil a love and reverence for god and the moral life devotion to the sacred heart formed his favorite theme as appealing to every denomination of christians keeping his religious doubts in abeyance the young pastor merged all his anxieties into zeal for the salvation of souls confided to him he visited the sick consoled the sorrowing taught the suffering to sanctify their pains by uniting them to those of our divine lord and spared no effort to aid and encourage the faint-hearted in their striving after good his utter unselfishness and entire devotion to their interests combined with the unction of his preaching and his sanctity and austerity of life soon obtained for him an absolute ascendancy over the minds of his people the change wrought in them was marvellous a number of his parishioners especially the young men began to come to confession to him weekly and they frequently communicated in eighteen forty five many of faber's friends were received into the church foremost amongst them was newman all his doubts dispelled that great man whose magnificent intellect and spotless integrity of life were the admiration of protestants and catholics alike 
brought with him to the church a loyalty as unswerving as his gifts were great till now he had retarded faber's conversion but no sooner had he himself received the gift of faith than he hastened to communicate the joyful tidings to his erstwhile disciple urging upon him the imperative necessity of at once making his submission to the church of christ scarcely had the voice so long listened to as an oracle spoken in this sense than faber's mind was made up and he resolved with as little delay as possible to enroll himself amongst the children of the catholic church on november sixteenth eighteen forty five he officiated for the last time as rector of elton at the evening service after a few introductory words he told his people that he could no longer remain in the anglican church being convinced of its untenable position had a thunderbolt fallen amongst them his audience could not have been more electrified with saddened hearts some bent their steps homewards while others followed him to the rectory imploring him to reconsider his decision on the following morning november seventeenth he left elton forever accompanied by mr t f knox scholar of trinity college his two servants and seven of his parishioners all of whom were to enter the church with him loved and venerated as he had been by his flock their grief at losing him was indescribable many with streaming eyes and voices stifled by sobs exclaimed god bless you mr faber wherever you go it was an hour of the intensest suffering for faber but the sacrifice was for god and his servant counted not the cost on that evening he and his companions were received into the church by dr waring bishop of northampton they made their first communion and were confirmed on the next morning after a brief stay with his brother faber repaired to birmingham on the invitation of the rev father moore and took up his residence at st chad's till he should come to some decision concerning the future no sooner was he admitted into the church than he began to devote himself exclusively to the furtherance of her interests with the approbation of dr afterwards cardinal weisman he took a small house in caroline street birmingham and with his eight elton converts to form a community of which he was superior took possession on december nineteenth eighteen forty five from the moment of his conversion all faber's aspirations tended towards the priesthood on october twelfth eighteen forty six december nineteenth of the same year and march twentieth following were dates forever memorable to him on these several days he received the orders preparatory to priesthood and on holy saturday april third he saw the realization of his fondest hopes in the crowning grace of his priestly ordination he immediately received faculties to hear confessions and was entrusted with the sole charge of the mission of cotton overflowing with gratitude to god who had dealt so tenderly with him 
all the energies of his being were devoted to the service of this good master he toiled incessantly to lead others to the truth for this he preached and worked and wrote and when with fervid eloquence he cries out go and help jesus why should a single soul for which he died be lost he but gives utterance to the feeling that dominated his whole life and which united with a patience and kindliness that never failed was the great secret of his success as a spiritual guide we have already seen that he was essentially a man of prayer bringing everything even his least important avocations under its influence writing on the subject he says intellectually speaking it is very hard to believe in prayer yet let us spend but one week in the real earnest service of god and the exercises of the spiritual life and the fact and far more than the fact will lie before us bright beyond the brilliance of human demonstration and again all experience concurs with god's written word to tell us that the immutable is changed by prayer in eighteen forty seven father faber proposed that he and father anthony hutchinson who were the only priests in the community should pronounce their vows as members of the congregation of the will of god and he had actually written to dr weisman for the requisite permission however just at this time the news of father newman's projected return to england as superior of the oratorians reached him and suggested to him the idea of amalgamating the two communities on february fourteenth eighteen forty eight they were admitted oratorians father wilfrid for such was his religious name began his noviceship under the immediate supervision of dr newman on february twenty first eighteen forty eight and at the end of six months he was appointed novice master the influx of novices was soon so great as to necessitate a removal to st wilfrid's which was much more spacious than maryville the number of subjects continuing to increase dr newman removed with part of the community to birmingham and opened a second house in london of which he appointed father faber rector and when in eighteen fifty newman erected it into a separate congregation father wilfrid was elected superior a post which he held till his death the present oratory house at brompton became the residence of the fathers in eighteen fifty five father faber's literary career which began when he was scarcely twenty was from the outset a most active one but in eighteen fifty three he commenced a series of spiritual works the first of which was all for jesus this delightful book so fascinating in style so replete with instruction was written in six weeks it was followed in quick succession by growth in holiness the blessed sacrament the creator and the creature the foot of the cross the spiritual conferences the precious blood and bethlehem when we take into account father faber's duties as superior 
and the many calls upon his time from the thousands that sought his spiritual help we are lost in wonder at the amount of work accomplished but he was in truth an indefatigable worker such constant application impaired a constitution never robust and engendered the germs of disease on november eleventh he was summoned to arundel castle to attend the deathbed of canon tierney but had scarcely arrived when he was attacked with acute bronchitis from this he recovered sufficiently to return to london for the celebration of the feast of the immaculate conception he wrote at this time pain does not altogether dispense either from penance or prayer ejaculations about the passion and mental acts of conformity to god's will do me most good on april twenty third eighteen sixty three there was a consultation of doctors as to his state and their verdict caused grave uneasiness on the twenty sixth he said his last mass and on june sixteenth it was deemed necessary to administer to him the last sacraments as death seemed imminent but he lingered till the end of september for months his sufferings had been so intense that he had been unable to lie down on september twenty fifth his attendants noticing a great change for the worse placed him in bed here he lay supported by pillows not speaking but gazing steadily at a large white crucifix before him and moving his eyes sometimes from one of the five wounds to the other just before seven o'clock a m a sudden change came over the father his head turned a little to the right his breathing seemed to stop a few spasmodic gasps followed and his spirit passed away in these last moments his eyes opened clear bright intelligent as ever in spite of the look of agony on his face but open to the sight of nothing earthly with a touching expression half of sweetness and half of surprise he was only in the forty-ninth year of his age the news of his death cast a gloom over the metropolis where he was mourned by thousands many lost in him a venerated father and trusted friend whilst to countless souls his loss as a spiritual guide is not to be expressed through life the kindness he has so eloquently advocated formed the keynote of his character may the brightness of his example ever linger with us that won by its attractiveness and aided by its influence we may strive to follow in his footsteps however imperfectly ursuline convent thurles feast of our lady help of christians nineteen o one end of memoir of father faber